Hello. It's me, Jordan. Connor is over there. I'm here too. And welcome to Resident Skeptics. Now today, I want to start off a little different because I care about mental health. I need people to know that I care about mental health. So Connor, how are you today? Good enough. Not not feeling the sincerity for mental health. Wow. I was trying to be sincere. Also feeling singled out. Like... <laughs> Guys, Connor is not struggling with mental health. He's he's fine. We think he's fine. Maybe. He, he, Jordan's, Jordan's <laughs> a little appalled at the things that I find funny, so my sense of humor might need some help. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before this started, um, he was like trying to show me this video, and he was just cracking up. Like, this is the funniest thing in the world. And I'm sitting there like, what the heck is this? I don't even understand. Totally out of context. She had no idea what the infamous clip of Alex Jones yelling about uh, the water turning the frogs gay was all about. So I, I played the clip and she was that's completely out of context. Just like a minute clip. And she's like, what is going on? I just didn't. I just maybe I needed to watch it. Like I was only listening to it. So maybe I needed to watch I feel like it. That might be a little bit funnier. But yeah, I guess I'll have to I'll have to show you the clip so that you can just you just the way he just gets so upset. I oh my word. We can't. I, I can't even believe this is making it onto the podcast. I was going to keep that private. But, I can believe. I mean, I don't no. care. It's, it's, a, it's a hilarious clip, whether you like him or not. It is just. Uh, oh, my word. I don't even know who Alex Jones is. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to think of it, like while you were talking, I was like, I can't think of. He's like the he reason why censorship started because he had all these crazy conspiracy ideas. Although, lo and behold, a lot of them have come true. Uh, but his big one that it was a huge blunder on his part was basically trying to explain away that the Sandy Hook shooting was faked, uh, which is pretty ridiculous i remember that day it was a horrible day for our country yeah no not a good day for uh anybody in the country not a good day for the obviously the people involved Uh, and that was and and he's walked that one back but i mean like he better when you that's one worth walking back yeah he just he stuck with it for way too long and the fact that he even brought it up was preposterous yeah no that's crazy that's insane but all those other ones are fairly right on yeah, everybody eating cloned cloned beef since like the '90s, I believe, is correct. Uh, oh, and wow. the the I was explaining to you the the chemical that was messing with the frogs. Uh, so he was kind of right, but not completely. <clears throat> There's better scientific terms, I guess. But yeah, I think I think Alex Jones, whoever he, but is, he's he's kicked off all the platforms. Sure. <laughs> he, he he can't have a channel on YouTube. He can't have a Twitter page. He can't have a Facebook page. They've all banned him. So he's got his own site now. He's appeared on other people's shows uh, for discussion and stuff because that's not against... I mean, I guess like YouTube says that he can appear on other people's, but there are certain things he can't say. Wow. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Fun stuff. I learned about Alex Jones today, but I wanted to inquire about your mental health because I wanted to be a nice person, unlike you, because... It felt insincere. Well, honestly, I felt hurt when you said you were going to revoke my microphone privileges. That was very hurtful. You got to stop making just these annoying, weird sounds on the microphone. (laughs) I do it just to see your stone cold face move and twitch just a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, I uh, I imagine that's true. Yeah. It is is irritating. It's fun for me. It's incredibly irritating for him. 
but who cares <laughs> because um i think it's fun but eventually i think i might get really hurt if i if i keep doing it um jordan's gonna get thrown out the second story window no that'd be sad that'd be sad you wouldn't do that i mean we don't know okay i don't want to find out either so <laughs> all joking aside you haven't pushed me to that point yet <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it would take a lot. It would take a lot. Um, I just unplug your microphone to start. Yeah, that would that would make me really sad because I like I like having the microphone. But yes. Jordan Jordan likes to be able to talk. I do. I love talking, and I'm so happy to be talking today because today we don't have irritating news. We actually have good news. Fairly good news. It's it's a it's good news for this entire year because we haven't had. A ton of good news like i can't think of anything going on where i've been like yeah you know someone's done something really cool like you know how i feel about the biden administration but i was literally yesterday trying to think of like sincerely like one good thing that the biden administration has done and i think the only good thing i can think of is that they did continue on with trump's vaccines like they just they seems like they kept doing that. I feel like that's probably the best thing that they've so done. So much so they started to force them. Yes, which is the perfect segue to literally breaking news. I just saw it today. I've been super busy today. Um, but I did see, um, if you didn't know, well, let's just start off with if you didn't know. Yeah, that's, pro that's probably a good one to start with. Yeah. Um, so this is a little bit complicated, so you know, excuse me if I get some of the facts here a little bit incorrect. I'm going to try to keep it as general as possible um, to avoid getting into too much detail on it. But basically what Biden did in September is that he used OSHA um, to put a vaccine mandate on any business company that has over 100 employees. Mm-hmm which has never been done before through OSHA. Um, it's basically skipping the entire um, congressional um, process of, of getting something like that put into law. Um, he was using a different agency, supposed to our lawmaking system, mm -hmm. uh, to do that. And so there's been quite a bit of uproar, uh, specifically from the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire has been honestly on the forefront of a lot of issues lately. Uh, it's because they have gotten so big. Um, and they've actually become fairly, um, probably one of the most powerful conservative media sources that I've seen yet in regards to what they're doing. Um, you might you might know of another one, Connor, but it seems no, like... No, I would, I would say Daily Wire is probably at the top because I don't really consider Fox News to be conservative at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but they are, they have definitely, the moment that Biden announced this, their CEO, Jeremy Boring, made a video talking about how they refuse to comply and that this is tyrannical, uh, that this is overstepping, that this is unconstitutional. Uh, and so they said the moment that he actually lays down the paperwork for this, they're immediately going to retaliate, which is exactly what happened. Because um, mm -hmm. if you guys, if people haven't been quite in the know about it, which is okay, it's a little complicated, it's a little weird. Um, but up until this week, Biden hadn't put down anything official. No, it was just an, it was just literally like. I mean, what would you call it? A PR announcement, essentially? Yes, yeah. Like, this is We're coming. going to do this. And everybody just started following suit and doing it as if it was an official mandate. Right, which wasn't. was really, which was really silly to me. Um, but whatever. Um, 
But anyway, well, I guess part, I mean part of the part of the absurdity is okay. Let's say you have ninety nine employees. Mm-hmm. What all of a sudden you're you're exempt from that rule because you're one employee short. Uh, doesn't doesn't make sense. Plus, you could take parent companies and they could split up their organization into smaller ones, groups of hundred. There's like there's ways around it, and it just doesn't make sense that hundred is like that hard line number. Uh, I believe the document also left it open ended that uh, there would be like a thirty day period um, for them to comment about the idea of bringing it to businesses and and companies with less than a hundred employees. Yeah, no, so that was definitely coming. That all was the definitely way down, down to the single person LLCs could all be forced. Um, there were a couple of exceptions. I failed, and this could just be me not finding it, but I did see that there were exceptions for people that uh, worked from home yes, or worked outside in the open air. So those were two definite exemptions. I'm really I'm not. I didn't find if there was anything for religious exemptions. I imagine there 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 probably is, but I don't know. Uh, so that's something to look into. But the, some of the absurdity was that the the initial penalties, they wanted to bump up from uh, $70,000 for serious violations all the way up to 700000 for willful and, re- and repeated violations. Essentially bankrupting businesses unless yeah, and, they oh, they, Sorry, they're, Sorry, they're not really forcing it per se, <laughs> as, <laughs> as they would like to put it. You have the option to pay oh. for your own tests weekly. Oh, well, when you put it that way, Connor, I guess it's not that bad. <laughs> Dear goodness. Um, so yeah, so this this absurd mandate comes through. They, they're pushing it through OSHA instead of through legislation. Cool. Right. Right. Uh, OSHA, this, I think this was announced, what, Monday, Tuesday? They announced yes, that it was, it was coming into effect. I think it was actually announced Wednesday. Announced Wednesday. Um, that everybody had until January 4th to comply with this new OSHA rule. Yes, that is correct. And OSHA, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, it stands for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Um, and so it was an emergency temporary standard that they were putting forward mm-hmm. um, in regard to this mandate. Um, so we all knew that the moment that this hit the ground, there was going to be immediate retaliation, not just from the daily wire, but there was, there was other things, people that were willing to fight against this. And, um, so not only did the daily wire, um, but the Texas attorney general did, um, and they won. And so this is the breaking news story, um, that they did put it through the federal court and the federal court, um, freezed this mandate due to grave statutory and constitutional constitutional issues. Uh, and this is what this is the ruling from the U.S. Courts of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Uh, they stated uh, before the court is the petitioner's emergency motion to stay enforcement of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's November 5th, 2021 emergency standard, uh, also called the mandate uh, pending expedited judicial review. Because the petitions give cause to believe there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate, the mandate is hereby stayed, that's in all caps, pending further action by this court. Hey guys, just want to let you know we had some audio issues where the conversation stopped recording, so you'll notice it restarts once or twice in the next five minutes. On top of that, I needed to issue a correction where I stated that at-home COVID tests were only 50-60% to accurate. That is not correct. Nebraska Medicine reports that five major brands are all over 80% accurate. Back to the podcast. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet. Um, I really don't care whether or not 
you're vaccinated. I think that's a personal choice that people need to make between, you know, uh, themselves and their doctor or your spouse, um, mm-hmm. your parents, uh, your family. I, I think that has to be a personal decision. I'm not really going to make any arguments about the efficacy of the vaccine. You feel comfortable getting it. Okay, you know, it's experimental. That is your choice. And you have to bear the consequences for that choice. Yep. Um, Same if you don't want to get it. Pretty much. Yeah, you have to be COVID's willing. real. It could hospitalize you. It could not. And you, you need could. to be able to take those assessments. What we don't like here is the government unilaterally deciding that you will make one decision over the other. Uh, well, essentially, they're taking the decision out of your hands. Pretty much. Like, if you want to live and you want to work, you have to get this vaccine. Yep. Regardless. Or pay for tests weekly. Uh, unless... There's a couple instances where you don't have to, such as you know, state law forbids it or your company's willing to pay for it or a union contract requires your company to pay for it. But otherwise, the company's not under any obligation to pay for these weekly tests for you. No, they're not. And even if you have a con- uh, not a country, <laughs> a company <laughs> that's over 100 employees, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the resources or the money to, you know, constantly be paying for tests like most of the ones i see are at least like 150 yeah yeah. can you imagine that every single week plus the time that it takes to go in and take those no it's 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 a crazy unless unless they made them really accessible to home or something which currently the the take-home antigen tests are like as far as i know they may be around 50 to 60 percent accurate they're they're not that accurate and they're not really as far as i know they're not accepted anywhere it's just kind of a good at-home test, figure out, do I have it right now or do I not? Which is really, it's just a segue to go take a more accurate test somewhere. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty... It's not feasible is what we're saying. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, well, you know, you have these other options, but you don't have these other options. Yeah. Good luck middle and lower class with that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out. And, and kind of going back to talking about um with not really argue arguing about you know if the vaccine is effective or not um it's really is about an overreach of power Mm -hmm. um and i want to say there is this one one espn reporter that she was a woman and she decided that she didn't want to get the vaccine um the parent company disney was like hey we we want you to we want you to go get this or you know, you're, you're fired. And so she made a video and, and she said, I, sh- I think she said, basically, she's like, listen, you know, the reason why we're standing up now is because if the government overreaches later, we're going to say that we at least tried. Yeah. We're not fighting just for people who are unvaccinated. We're fighting for people who are vaccinated too. When one day the government is going to really ask you to do something um, that you don't want to do. Not even ask demand yeah demand force you into a corner give you an ultimatum essentially it's allison williams by the way allison williams thank you um but and that's and that's where the win is the win is for freedom to make a choice i hope that this gets turned down i i gotta think that this gets turned down in the long run because it is so unconstitutional yeah Um, having having 26 states come against a a, along with uh private companies like the daily wire and others right yeah. Who just said, absolutely, no way, we're not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're talking about the the states that we're going against. Yeah. The states, the private companies right. that are going against it. And, right. and we were talking about the idea that it is, it, it's really in the best interest for everybody, vaccinated, unvaccinated, 
people that want vaccinations, people that don't want them at all, people that are in between. It's it's for everybody because, like you were saying, there there can they especially with this door being open, there can come a day where the government forces you into a corner to make a decision that you may not necessarily want to make. Right. I mean, and it's never a great idea to just put your put all your freedom and your personal choices into the hands of the government. Um, that's one of the, I think it's one of the best things about America is that, you know, who's my additional contact or my emergency contact on my, you know, OBGYN or GP forms? Well, it's my family, right? Mm-hmm. They get to make some of those decisions and they get to, to help with that. And so when the government forces you uh, into a position to have to, to choose, well, we're very lucky that we live in a country that has a system with checks and balances. Uh, and what is so it's so appalling to me. Like, I try to be nice. You know, I try to be kind about people that I don't like. I try. Mm-hmm. At first with Biden, I was like, this guy is just, he's hes sick. Uh, he most likely has, you know, dementia. He um, he, He's a little bit cuckoo. Like, he can't finish sentences. Like, this guy is kind of out of it. But... Let's not forget that he's been a politician for about 40 years now. Over 40. Over 40 years. And I've actually, again, I've heard Biden speak on other things. um, And he's been clear and coherent in the past. Yeah, I remember during the Obama administration, he was pretty clear and coherent. I mean, and still insert foot and mouth a lot, but... Yeah, yeah, well, and that's part of his personality, I suppose. Um, It was one of the more endearing parts to him. At least for me, because it was just, it was funny. Well, I don't know. He just, he just shotgun <laughs> off and just say something ridiculous. And you're like, I don't know if that's right. But I mean, it sounds funny. Yeah, so. he's, he said some things that are not, I wouldn't say endearing, but like legit foot and mouth, like not, not good things. But Joe Biden is at the end of the day, Joe Biden, no matter how much dementia or mental illness he has. And I just think that this guy is not the loving grandpa that they tried to paint him as for all of 2020 this guy is pretty it feels like he's going radical and i don't know if it's because he's radical or because the progressives in his party are pushing him that way um but i i think i think he's being pushed personally i i think so too his mental faculties are definitely definitely are not all there uh i just I, i can't see him doing it unless he's just getting to that old age where he's just like do what i say Right. I mean, and he's had some weird, like, outbursts and, like, at least just, again, strange stuff. This guy, and he's also, he also fell asleep during the climate <laughs> conference. Um, again, if Trump had done that, the media would have just been all over it. But because it's Joe Biden, it's just funny. Yeah, um, I think Bill Mayer made a joke about him not being, uh, not being, not being woke enough. Yeah, because he's. <laughs> I got the joke now. That see, I thought that was funny. That's funny. Yeah, I find that funny too. Yeah, I just one find, thing that we find, we both find funny. Yeah, our our versions of humor are. Our humor is so different. Polar opposite. Yeah, <laughs> Connor's like I'm like no, that's inappropriate. Connor, you can't can't do that. But I'm whatever. rolling on the floor and laughing. Yeah, stop. It's sinful. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally me. Um, but but anyway, oh my gosh. Uh, Biden, I think he is probably being pushed by the progressives. Um, but mm-hmm. if you remember, like, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you voted for Biden, I just want to say this. 
I'm not trying to guilt anyone. I'm not trying to actually make people who voted for Biden feel bad because that's not really going to do much good, in my opinion, where I'm just like, okay, we're already here. It's happened. What I do want to see is like, hey, like this guy really is as bad as we said he is. And we want to we want I want unity, essentially, like be like, hey, let's take our country back, Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of if you voted for Biden or not. I just don't think it's very helpful to be name calling anyone as much as I listen. There is the sinful desire to say I told you so like a million times. (laughs) But I don't really want to do that because I genuinely want us all to be united because this will actually lead us into our next really big win for Mm -hmm. this week um and it's quote unquote the flipping of red that happened in virginia now i did talk to my father um he is i would say he's very smart um and he and he's definitely gone through a lot more of the political changes than i have because you know he's I mean, he's a little older he's you know not too much older but just a bit it's just a little bit not not much um but we were kind of talking about it the other night and he was like you know i think i don't know if virginia actually turned red i think that you had a lot of he said reagan democrats that they ended up getting on board mm-hmm. um and i think he brought up it brought up a thought where i was like it's not about as much of conservative versus um I guess, Democrat or liberal or leftist. I think it's more, I would say, like progressive um, policies. I think there are people there that might, in Virginia, that genuinely might still be liberals, but see the harm of some of the things that are trying to be pushed by the progressives in the Democratic Party that they were willing to vote red. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I get your thoughts on that, because I do want to get your thoughts on that, let's go ahead and talk about what kind of wins Uh, we had in Virginia. Sounds good to me. So we had a very, this was a red sweep. This is a really red sweep. And typically after, typically the the party that's not in power tends to come back a little stronger um, in elections. Uh, That typically does happen. Uh, But this wasn't just Republicans coming back stronger after, you know, Biden taking the presidency and then the Democrats taking both the Senate and the House. This was a complete flip. Biden had won Virginia in 2020 by 10 points. Yes, I think, which is pretty high. Um, That's pretty high. So to flip like this, here's how it flipped. Okay, so Glenn Youngkin was the GOP uh, candidate and he won 50.8% of the vote, with Terry McAuliffe winning 48.5%. Mm-hmm. So he takes he takes it fairly easily there. Um, and I'm actually looking at a map, like an interactive map of it right now, where most of it is covered in red, um, but there are some blue parts that uh, McAuliffe did take, um, but those have higher populations. So there's just going to be different counties with different population levels, right? That's not going to be like an evenly spread out peanut butter on no, a piece of bread, not. right? Um, so, so Glenn Youngkin, uh, and also another thing to note too is that McAuliffe was not too long ago was pretty much poised to win, like by a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so to flip, well, he it, had he had some big figures campaigning for him. He, he sure did. Um, 
he sure did which man i could i could talk about that all day because it's so appalling to me i know i know former former president barack obama came and helped campaign for him biden i believe also uh came into a little bit of campaigning he sure did he did at the very end did kamala come out and do it she absolutely did okay so the the big three yep uh for the dems really came out and and did campaigning and i i believe trump i believe i read that trump did do some campaigning for youngkin but it was like via television basically he didn't he never came in person it sounds like it sounds like youngkin very much i think the way it's been described as he put Trump at a distance. He didn't totally embrace him. He didn't totally reject him. So he was able to to pull in enough people that were the the Trump supporters, but also gain some moderates in there because they saw that he didn't just fully fanboy over Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Nope. I think, and that's another very interesting point that we could talk about is what Youngkin's strategy was, which we'll get into here definitely in a sec uh, because I actually think it's really important what he did. Um, so. So we have this win by Glenn Youngkin, who's never, as far as I know, he's never run before. Um, I'm trying to remember what his, um, I'm trying to remember what his uh, career is. Uh, I believe he's Harvard graduate. He, he co, he was co-CEO for a company and then had a fallout there. And I think he started his own. And so he's, he's, he's had a, He's had a um, career of like business type yeah, positions, right. and I believe yes. I believe now he owns his own his own business. I might be wrong on that. I know him and his wife had a have a nonprofit organization that works with the within their community and and other stuff. And he made like I believe he made out of his own pocket twenty million dollar donation to his campaign. So he yeah no he's he he's a pretty wealthy quite guy. a bit of it. Mm-hmm. He's a wealthy guy. Um, that part I was aware of. I knew he was a successful businessman. I just didn't know uh, precisely what kind of business he did. Um, but anyway, let's move on also to the Virginia lieutenant governor results. Mm, yes. So we had the first female black Virginia lieutenant governor and took it uh, with 50.9% of the vote um, with her competitor being at 49.1%. Right. Um, So she wins. Also worth noting, I believe that her uh, competitor was also female and also a minority as well. That's awesome. So either way, (laughs) it was going to be a first. Yeah, no, which I mean, you know, cool either way. I mean, I I think what's particularly cool about her is that she's, I mean, I want to say like not only she is a woman or a, or a person of color, I guess. What's more impressive to me is that she, she was, I believe a Marine. Yes. Um, mother of three, um, immigrant from Jamaica. So she really is living the American dream right there. Um, and that is, uh, any ladies listening, that is something to aspire to. That is really cool. Um, or you can aspire to be AOC. That's also fine. But I think that Winsome Sears is much cooler. So then we're also going to get to the attorney general results. Um, again, it's fairly close. Uh, Jason Mieris, uh, he got 50.6% uh, of the vote uh, with Mark Herring. Um, he got 49.4% of the vote. So that is red 
all around. They also took the House of Delegates Mm -hmm. as well. Um, We also saw some other wins um, that weren't just in Virginia, right, Connor? Yeah, no, I think we had a little bit. We had some sort of a win in Pennsylvania as well. There were some... I I only just got into the article, but it sounded like there were some counties that uh, flipped red that were not expected to by any means. Yeah. Um, So it's just kind of causing some upsets. And this is it's kind of weird because a couple of these states have like these odd year uh, voting elections. So this is kind of from what I was reading, it's kind of a precursor to what's to come. Oh, yes. One hundred percent. And I think one of the things that you're looking at, too, with New Jersey is we had the the state senate president uh steven sweeney he lost his re-election uh to a guy named edward durr who was a mm-hmm. truck driver and he spent um apparently just a couple thousand dollars on his campaign yeah i think right right around two thousand dollars he spent yep. on his campaign which Total. is insane i which mean it's barely, absolutely insane. especially in jersey that's barely going to get you actually probably in jersey that won't get you a billboard it just all all I know is that he wasn't the other guy, right? That's that was the big issue. He's like, oh, he's not the other guy. He's not. He's Republican. We should vote mm-hmm. for this person. That's how I feel like it probably went. But that's pretty dang insane. Uh, that's really that's really crazy. Um, and so some of the things to and by the way, the um, results, sorry, uh, the statistics or results that I'm talking about are on Politico. You can go find them there. There's a fun interactive map if you want to look into that more for yourself. Um, but Connor, let's, let's talk a little bit about, about this. Cause you kind of mentioned just now that this is definitely going to tell us a little bit something about how 2022 is going to go because we've had, so Biden's been president now for about, was it 11 months now? 10 months, 11 months. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's sworn in office in February. So Fe- I thought it was January. Nope. February. Oh, why did I think it was January? I thought it was the end of January. I would have sworn. No, very beginning of February. Okay. I'll double check it to make sure I'm right. Okay. Uh, one of us is going to look like the fool. So uh, <laughs> We should keep like a little board with a tally. <laughs> we should have a wrong jar. Like every time we're wrong about something, we'll just put a dollar in the jar. The, I'd be down to do something. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, why does this have to be difficult to find? That should just show up the first thing when I search it. I just feel like you have a bad search engine. Like this happened last week with Animal Farm. It did happen. Where last I was week. like, this should be very easy to find, and you're having a lot of difficulty with it. Yeah, and I found I found a lot of. I mean, I was I was only pulling stuff from basically America. It was just like, yeah, Animal Farm was banned in these states in America for these reasons, and they weren't even the reasons I thought. It was like indecency. For Animal Farm. They're pigs and chickens. Yeah, like people yeah. are barely in the story. I'll tell you I'll tell you what I'm searching to. I am searching when was Biden sworn into office. And nope, you're right. January twentieth. Hey, I get a dollar. Anyway. Hey, but we don't have a jar yet. Oh, shoot. Well, <laughs> awkward. We but... will have a jar from here on out. I, okay. th- I, I think I'm I'm down for that. You're down for a jar. Okay, let's do it. Um, I think that'd be cool. But anyway, he's been president now for about, you know, okay, 11-ish months. Yeah. And this is kind of, and this a lot of it has to do with his agenda. Um, unfortunately, uh, McAuliffe kind of was under his agenda a little bit. Uh, McAuliffe made some very 
made some very uh, bad decisions <laughs> with his words, uh, saying that, uh, what was it again? That parents really shouldn't have any right to be in their uh, children's education or tell to, the to, schools to decide, what to do. Yeah, to decide their education. I want to find that exact quote. Um, I actually think I do have the exact quote. I just can't find it. Bummer. Um, it's not in any of the articles that I have pulled uh-huh, up. Aha, I have it, yes. Okay, so here's his exact quote. And this exact quote is coming from CBS News. And it says, quote, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Uh, And so here's what Youngkin did. And I quote, Youngkin quoted McAuliffe repeatedly on the campaign trail and in ads. It resonated with Youngkin supporters. Eight in 10 think they have a lot of say in their children's schooling. Only a quarter of uh, McLaughlin's voters agreed and that's that. So the question here is, and I, I've, I've given you so many questions, I said, but before I, you answer that question, <laughs> I have more things to say. Um, but why on earth do you think Virginia flipped like this? What happened? Like, what's your take? Well, one of the things that uh, has been pointed out uh, a couple of times, and we even covered it on part of a segment, is one of the particular schools. So, uh Youngkin ran particularly on school education and, and like you were mentioning, uh, what was the other guy's name? It starts with an L that loss Loudon, not yeah. Loudon. That's the County McAuliffe McAuliffe. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things that McAuliffe was struggling with there was, well, let's say he did make that, he did make that comment about parents not being, they shouldn't be involved in their children's education. Um, well, Virginia happens to have a pretty, pretty hot school district right now, which is Loudoun County. And we've covered before the covered up uh, sexual assault case with one of the schools there with Loudoun County School. You can go check out that episode if you want all the details. Mm-hmm. Just trying to raise up our listening. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're also kind of been the epicenter for some of the critical race theory books that have been mm. uh, brought out. And I don't know if that's also the school that had some issue with the uh, sex education uh books as well so i I won't speak to that one but at the very least we're talking sexual assault cover-up um with their partly in due to their their transgender bathroom policies that enabled it to to make it kind of an easy target um but then on top of it we have the critical race theory where parents have been getting fairly involved uh with the schools and demanding like what they what they are not going to let them teach their kids essentially and so on one hand you have uh you have McAuliffe running saying that parents don't need to be involved in this. And on the other hand, you have Youngkin coming in saying, we're going to work on this and we're going to get, I think he was actually running on the basis that they're going to ban critical race theory there. Um, but then also wanting to, to see to it that parents can be more involved in deciding what their kids are going to be educated on at these schools, which they're you know paying for either directly or indirectly via right. taxes. Yeah. I think that that is a huge part of it. And I think, you know, we have critical race theory, also known as as CRT. I think it's even broader than that of, you know, with children, you know, telling them what to think. It's like the whole Biden administration is trying to tell people how to think and tell people how they're supposed to feel about certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think the moment you start touching children and trying to get them to believe these things, 
people start to get upset. I know a lot the of parents people, will come after you for sure. That is what I've learned here is do not mess with parents. Like Mm-mm. that wasn't honestly, I think this is one thing that even Democrats realize is that they, they had section people off by race. Um, uh, maybe they're uh, also, I guess, race and ethnicity. I've always had a weird thing with that. I've never liked saying race. Um, I've always preferred to saying ethnicity, even before like all the political stuff, even when I was a kid. My understanding is that they were different. That's what I thought too. Like growing up, I was trying to figure it out because I'm I'm half Asian and I, they, I put they down. They run so similar to me that, and I've looked it up multiple times and tried to drill it into my brain. But they're just so similar that I it doesn't can't, make any. My brain doesn't sense. separate the two of them. Yeah, I've. If somebody asked me what race I am, I I might give them my. I'll just give them my entire ancestral background, the, what I know of it. Well, I'm talking about forms, like where. Oh, for those race, I mark other, or I'm just not going to yeah, answer. I've I've gotten really tired of being classified. Yeah, uh, it's kind terms. of annoying, but I've I've tried to figure out the whole form thing, and for like they don't have Asian for race, and then you can only pick like one or the other. It's very weird. Um, mm-hmm. They do a very bad job at it. Um, but I don't remember what I was saying. Oh yeah, we've classified people uh, by race, uh, ethnicity, uh, maybe their their income, but no one thought about a whole demographic of just parents that they needed to campaign to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was kind of a new thing where you know parents they don't want their kids to be taught that they have to look at their skin tone all the time. Um, this is kind of a it's kind of a big deal. Well, because. The, the deeper teachings of critical race theory, and we're looking to get into that on one of our book reviews um, with uh, White Fragility by... Oh, oh so we are going to do White Fragility. Heck yeah. So we haven't... See, we, Connor and I haven't talked about it all the way yet. So. We've, we've mentioned it. We've mentioned it. I just didn't know if... I like, think, it, I think it's, not, it's, it's not going to happen this year. Uh. <laughs> no, it's not happening this year. I don't know if I can take too much more. Like, I'm going to give it a good... I'm going to give it a good look, um, but I've already read excerpts from it, and it's... It's pretty crazy. Um, it, it, it doesn't goes, make sense. Yeah, it goes beyond teaching about how, like, like on the the surface definition that people tend to give in defense of it is that it's teaching how racism, uh, systemic racism, affected our country and how and how it you know continues to affect generations later. Which I fully believe that that is true. That we are still dealing with ramifications from that. That being said, they continue to invert it to the point that it is essentially calling for further segregation and the only solution to racism is more racism. And it just completely inverts it and essentially wants to call it back and just flip it. You know, they just want to flip between different minorities and essentially uh, at least some of the prominent leaders, that is their entire ideology of thought. It's not even just ideology. I make, and a lot of other people have made the case too, that it's religious. Like it's almost completely religious at this point and not, don't think CRT, think more anti-racism, which is kind of an off, kind of have an offshoot of that. It doesn't even that. make sense to say anti-racist. Yeah, it's it's really strange. Um, but if you think about it, it's not, again, I could agree with you that we still have some of the results from um, the kind of systemic racism that we did have way back when. I could, I can see an argument for that. Um but I'm trying to figure out where my thought was going. My thought had a place it was going, and it, then it just it just went away. Ah, uh, yes. It goes a lot deeper than that with what they're trying to do. They're not just trying to point out skin color. They're trying to create an entire religion where all white people are bad somehow, where um, the original sin is 
racism, right? That's, it's kind of, it almost takes like a biblical framework the way that they have it. Like in the Bible as Christians, the original sin to a certain level is pride. It's that we wanted to be God. Uh, and then they're trying to make anti-racism in regards to, you know, racism itself as being the original sin and the root of all evil, which racism, of course, is a great evil. It's horrible. It's mm-hmm. bad. It's it's going against your own image because this person's another person with a different skin color is made uh, in the image of God. But they've taken it even a step further that if you are white, you have no choice but to be racist. You are just racist, whether you know it or not. Yeah, you are a it. racist. You're born it. You breathe it. You benefit from it. And that's just the way it is. And you can never get rid of it. And there's you nothing can, you can do about it other than to try and dispense with whatever your privileges and attempt to, to give it back, I, I, I guess. And that's what well, this is what's very interesting is that with Christianity, right, we we have a savior, right? We have someone who bore it all on the cross for us so that we could have life uh, and that we could serve him and spread the gospel. But when it comes to anti-racism, you can never be forgiven. You will never be forgiven. You will never be clean. You will never be whole. You will have to repent and repent and you will never be forgiven. And that is the biggest, that is one of the biggest differences. You have to carry that guilt with you forever. It's not just white privilege. You have white guilt. And I've unfortunately seen a lot of people who are white, I feel like, buy into this guilt. And I can honestly see why it happens. If you have an entire, you know, movement saying that you're bad because you're white, like that could potentially bring in some guilt. And maybe you do want to feel better and you do want to be like, yeah, I want to be involved in this change. Maybe I do have these things and I need to repent of it. Um, but they're never, it'll never be enough. And not only will it never be enough, but the rules for it always seem to change. Mm-hmm. It never stays the same. And so this is this is my biggest concern. There was a story I saw of a woman, a white woman. She went to the school board and she said, my daughter comes back from school and she asks if she's evil because she's white. Where is she getting this idea from? She's just a kid. She's what, maybe eight years old? Mm-hmm. Grade school? Who's teaching her this idea? She's not evil because she's white. If anything, all of us fall short of the glory of God because of our depraved nature and because of our sin and rebellion against God. Uh, Not this. And so I think I see some very well-meaning Christians want to defend anti-racism. And I I can understand why. And I I see where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you take... If you take time to unpack anti-racism, you'll notice that it takes on a religion of its own that is incompatible with the gospel. Uh, and and that's, that's where I have my issue. And so I don't want to ever make fun of anyone who doesn't believe the same thing as me, but only just to challenge them to see how it lines up. Uh, with scripture and see what you really believe. If you believe in anti-racism, maybe look into it a little bit more and see what it's really about. Um, and Because I think what you, to go back to what you said, Connor, about, you're like, this is kind of what pe- the phrase people use to defend it. I don't know if they've gone much farther than that, right? I don't ever, I don't know if all people are thinking, I believe in anti-racism. Here's all the different tenets of it. And here's all the, mm-hmm. I don't know if people think like that. Um so I, that's why I would encourage people to take a closer look because out of pure ignorance, they might be 
getting behind something that they don't like without even realizing it, um, without being fully aware. Yeah, sur- surface level definition, I-, I would say most people could and should get on board with it. I, I think I think there's an argument there to uh, look at how slavery impacted you know the following generations, um, and 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 I've seen the legitimate. There are legitimate arguments for it, and I would have to agree to them. And I mean, if you want to do something, then that is where we need to get involved in those communities, donate not just your money but also your time, because that's what that's what makes that money more important to you that you're giving. Uh, you get to see faces and have those interactions. Um, and without it, you know, it's just, you're just throwing money at a problem that you're not really that invested in. If, if you really want to be invested, invest your time. You know, even if you can't, if you can't invest money, then definitely invest your time. Mm-hmm. And if you can, and if you can do both, then you should do both. Yeah. I think that, I think you're absolutely right. It's about the investing of time. And the question is, where is that time going? And and this is another challenge for all of us. If you want to post something on Facebook about how much you care, that's fine. The next follow-up question I have when I'm going to see you is, okay, so you posted about this. What are you doing in the community? What are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. And, and I, listen, I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to take a gander that the most people that have posted things about this, I'm going to ask them what they've done. And I'm probably going to get a grand total of nada, right? Because... I just, I genuinely believe we have a slacktivism issue of it's virtuous to post something, um, but there are people in the shadows that don't post anything and do more. I, I, I was getting a little irritated. Well, I'm always irritated. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's come out at this point. I'm always irritated or always thinking about something. But I do think a lot about my sister. Uh, she doesn't know I'm I'm talking about her. So oh, no. yeah, it's okay. It's all good things. But my sister, like she works a full-time job. She is one of the most, she works with like tons of different organizations uh, in our community. Mm-hmm. And she's helping, you know, you know, impoverished areas, you know, minorities, most likely just because of the kind of volunteering that she does. Um, Even for our church, she has set up plenty of volunteer projects. She has worked so hard and she posts nothing on Facebook about how much she cares and how much she does. Like, yeah, she does just just to get those organizations names out there. She'll write articles for them, but she's not preaching to anyone, right? Like I do. <laughs> uh, unlike me, I see, I sit here and, and, and run my mouth. My sister actually runs out and does things. Um, and she said, and she says nothing about it. And I'm like, she does more for the community than most of the people that have all these little things that they post. I guarantee it. And, and she's so humble about it. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, you know, she, the only time she'll even say anything is to get other people involved. Um, but that's what I want to be more like. Like, that's what I want to see is I want to see less people posting about it and more people actually being like, yeah, I really do want to help my community. And as a believer, I know not everyone who's going to be listening to this is a Christian. But as a Christian, I have you know, two goals. Like, yes, I want to help my community, but I also want to spread the gospel, uh, which I get an opportunity to do uh, every week. I do tutoring, um, but that's it. You know, <laughs> that's that's it for me. But I do very much enjoy it. Um but yeah, that's something that's really been on my mind is is this whole this whole slacktivism situation that 
that comes with our culture that really kind of annoys me and also just giving a very proud sister shout out to my sister who actually does stuff <laughs> um so if you want to get involved i'll hook you up with her <laughs> yeah or we can uh we can request a list of organizations within uh the charlotte area for our local listen- listeners although i imagine that there might be some that uh organizations that are beyond the scope of charlotte yeah and she has those research resources in fact um i did share an article on my facebook that my sister wrote uh, about veteran uh supported businesses or veteran run businesses Mm -hmm. Uh, she has compiled an entire list already on her blog the creative philanthropist so please check that out because it has a lot of good resources definitely let's get some links from her and post them up on our our uh, on the resident skeptics pages as well yep i think that'd be good Absolutely. Um, that's again, that's, that's, mm, yeah. So I'm, I'm having a little bit of a moment with, with the whole, the whole race thing. And, and this is, well, it's, I'll give a few examples of where critical race theory wants to take things. We already have, uh, black graduations where yes, nobody, nobody true. else, no, no whites, no Hispanics, no Asians, though I do I do believe some of them have included other minorities um, in those kind graduations. Of That's kind of at least at least include some of those. It's uh, a little bit of sarcasm there. Yeah, by graduation they have. Um, Wait, if they're biracial, like if I'm half black and half white, can I go? I would say yes, just because our first black president is only half black. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, he doesn't claim the other half. Um, he's mixed. Yeah. I mean, I he's get an Oreo. <laughs> yeah, where I'm, uh, what they call a half Asians. They call us bananas. We're yellow on the outside, white on the this. inside. You haven't heard this, okay? If you're if you're half Asian, you're a banana because the peel is yellow, and then on the inside you're white. <laughs> so there's I've not that. heard that one. Yes, it's oh incredible. It's the best thing I've so. We say that I'm a banana, but most people think I'm Hispanic, so. Yeah, I hate to say it. You do look. Yeah. You look more okay. Hispanic than Asian. It's okay. But yeah, so um, we do have the. Uh, black graduations. We have also, black dorms. You look on Google and you'll see black owned businesses. You don't see white owned businesses. Although you know, their argument is that, you know, white is the default. And if white's the default, then there's no need to classify it. Although for me, I'm like, look, if you want to classify stuff, then you should just classify all of it yeah which is also kind of weird like i don't really want like a white owned business page or a black owned business yeah, i never page. look at it uh, it's just like it's there but i ignore it i'm like do you have what i want do you have the food that i want that's pretty or much that item that i'm looking for do you have it yes here's money yeah where i'm not i don't care like if the product's not good like even if it's veteran owned like if the product's not good i'm like the product's not good and i can't do anything with this i don't care i I do care like i want to support certain people but at the same time it's got to be it's got to be well made and i don't care like too 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 yeah even if i want to support somebody and their product's not good that i i can't i can't get behind it and support it right yeah it's not going to happen like if we ever end up doing any type of advertisements on here there will not ever be an advertisement on here for something that I wouldn't personally wow. recommend. Say it loud and clear, Connor. I agree. I agree. This is just not going to happen. Right. Like I, I can't do it with a good conscience. I have a like, question, yeah. though. I have a question. If we have a product and you love it and I hate it, what do we do? Check with other people. See what they think about it. Hmm. Depends on the product. But we have to like, agree that it's good. Like, well, give, give me an example of a product. Like, are we talking about like t-shirt? 
I mean, I don't know, like lipstick. Okay, well, that's gonna be up to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna try it unless you get like a uh, like a chapstick version. Yeah. Okay. I feel like everyone needs chapstick. Even men need chapstick. Connor. Yeah, men definitely need. They chapstick. definitely need chapstick. Men, get some chapstick. Good grief. If you don't want it flavored, just get good old Carmax. There's no flavor to it whatsoever, <laughs> and it actually works. That is, okay, it's so funny that you're saying that, just because I feel like with all the commercials for girls, they're like, wow, super luscious color, you know, moisturization. You're like, it's unscented. <laughs> It'll keep There's your no lips color. moist. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a great product. I don't necessarily want my lips to taste like strawberry, banana, lime, or any of those other. I do. I don't. I okay. don't. I don't want to deal with it. Fine. Well, then if we do a chap, if we do chapstick, we have to make sure that they have a completely bland and boring chapstick. And that's then right. Fun chapstick. I-, I could maybe go for mint or eucalyptus, but that's about the extent of it. I would go mint. Only because it mint. only because it gives that cold tingling sensation, and that's I think that's fun. I actually do like that too, but, unless it's like stinging me, and then that's just inappropriate. Yeah. Let's say let's yeah. say let's say we did a chapstick of all the products that we would do that is probably one of the last <laughs> ones actually um if we did that i didn't like it and you did like it i would have to go survey other people if the general public liked it and i just personally didn't maybe because you you decided if you're that, just a fuddy-duddy basically yeah if it's my personal problem with it it's not necessarily that it's a bad product i mean if it works for everybody and i just don't like whatever flavor you chose i I would just let you do the the advertisements. I'm okay. not going to talk about it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Or I'll I... go make a counterpart. I, you know, again, it's just I, I we, it wouldn't happen. Uh, but it's like when it comes down to the types of products and things that you go looking for, I'm generally not looking to see is this a Christian owned business or is this an Asian owned business or yeah is this a veteran owned business. But if I want to, I mean that's cool. I, I guess I just don't know. I don't know how it works out with that. I don't. I feel like they, they either need to all be unlabeled or they should all be labeled. I think sometimes... And don't stop with just the color of people's skin. Well, if you think about it, like some of it, when they have these different owned businesses, they're like, this is a victim group and you should help them, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they are when they do like black owned businesses, they're like, you know, they're really victimized. You should really help them. And I, I got to be honest, I don't agree with this. Um, so yeah, that I, is that is how it comes across sometimes. Right. Not not always. Not all the time. But when I think about veteran-owned businesses, I think about how horribly we've treated them and yeah. the things that they've gone through and how you know Black okay. Lives Matter are still going through. Yes, I, I think that's yeah. an important no, you're distinction right. you're to make right. because it, it and it's not to say that you know uh, blacks, Mexicans, and also uh, Irish people were treated <laughs> horribly when they first came to America and for quite a while afterwards it's not to say that those didn't happen they're not ongoing veterans are still ongoingly treated awful right and they also include minority groups like yes they include everybody right exactly so when you support when you're able to support veterans and help them get back on their feet that is a group i wouldn't necessarily say that they are i don't think they'd want to say that they're victimized right i would say that they are a forgotten group that we've taken for granted people that have protected our country and have genuinely sacrificed Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's where the difference is for me between, you know, black owned business or like, for example, like, OK, I've said this before. I'm Asian. Right. I'm not just going to I'm not looking for you know Asian run businesses. Yeah, I I've don't, never heard you. No, I'm not. I'm not like, oh, I don't know, Connor. Is this an Asian run 
boutique i don't know like it's not Quite honestly i probably go to more asian shops than you do probably i mean i do i do think it's a good idea if the oriental mart is run by an oriental because that just makes sense i know there's usually stuff. does what if you have yeah. a white person that grew up oriental though i mean that'd be fine i, I actually care. i happened to recently run across a video where uh this asian guy was talking and he's like you know, he's like, there's those of us Asians that grew up here in America and we just don't have an Asian accent, whatever. He's like, there has to be a white kid yes, that grew yes. up like in China or something and has a Chinese accent that when he a- speaks English. And you know what? There was one and they played him in the video. Totally white, blonde hair, just Caucasian guy. And he's talking in English, but he totally has a Chinese accent. And if you didn't have that context, then you would think he's just trying to be mean. Right. Or just making fun of it or just having just having fun with trying to produce a Chinese accent. But he spoke fluent Chinese and then he was broken English because he moved there when he was like six. That's crazy. That's all he knew. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I think it's great. I mean whatever whatever does it like i don't know like i don't care no let let things like that intermingle let obviously races should be able to intermingle have mixed children or really just, that's how children. i got here oh, that is how you got there. that's how i got here too just multiple oh. mixed yes yeah, so you have a lot of mixes in there pancake but, mix cake and, and mix. i think i think this actually kind of brings us to an interesting part when it comes to cultural appropriation uh is like how how do you avoid that while trying to get people to learn about the other cultures? Like what you can only partake. Let's say, let's say Jordan, you can only partake in Mexican culture. If you know, a Mexican prepared the food and Mexican like gives you the entire rundown of the traditions of it, but you can't prepare it ever. You can't do it. You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't dress up as a, Oh, I'm going to forget the, forgetting like well you get like the mariachi band and stuff but if you wanted to dress up for some sort of mexican customary anything it's just like you can't do it because you're not mexican mm-hmm. likewise i i can't I, I can't get dressed up in a in a kimono or something that's that's more japanese and i don't the, the lines between cultural appropriation and then appreciating culture just they don't make sense to me I've yeah. talked with people and tried to figure out where that line is because it's like they want you to learn about them and know about them, but then don't practice them because you're not them. And I don't understand that. Yeah. And I would say that I I disagree with that. Not you, but the thing you just said that people like they want you to know about their culture, but they don't want you to partake in it. Yeah. Like I, I, it- I have I have a hard time even saying that cultural appropriation even exists. Yeah, it's it's something I've I've always felt a little weird about where one here's one thing in America, like everything's been appropriated from something in America. Yes. It's completely difficult to avoid. Uh it's just it's just going to happen, right? You know, we you know, we take advantage we like Mexican food, right? We mm-hmm. eat Better um, stop eating at Taco Bell. Oh my gosh, that's not That Mexican. is one of the No, you Well, yeah, ew, that's that's gross. that's what happened to it though. It's like it is I guess if you wanted to call it, it would be an appropriation of Mexican food. It doesn't taste anything like it, but here we are with it. Fortune cookies, not not an Asian invention. Yeah, it's an American no, I was going to say that's that, that's American. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's the first thing is that everything is appropriated at some point, and so when it comes, and this is this is a good distinction to make that what the left does is they take very small things and make a very big deal out of it, right? Mm-hmm. 
where it's like if you braid your hair, <gasps> it's cultural appropriation, you know, or if you wear something, so it's like, <gasps> it's cultural appropriation. It's like if you wear a sombrero, <gasps> it's cultural, pro- like very small things that mm-hmm. if you actually ask people who are part of that culture, like I think Will Witt with PragerU, he went to a college campus wearing like a poncho and a sombrero. And for reference, guys, Will Witt is a white guy. I recall this video. Uh, and he asked all these college students, he's like, you know, hey, is, is this inappropriate? Is this cultural? Appropriate? They're all like, yes, it's offensive and blah, blah, blah. Then he goes to a uh, Hispanic part of town. Like it's, I guess it's kind of like a ch- uh, Chinatown. It's like, the, it's like their equivalent yeah. of it. Yeah. It's yeah. the equivalent of a Chinatown. Yeah. And he asks all these locals and he's like, hey, do you like my outfit? They're like, yeah, we love your outfit. Like it's so cool. It's so nice. You know, and, and there literally no one had an issue with it. So I think it's not as much about what cultural appropriation is, but how we've raised people to believe it as and what how they're supposed to feel about cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. right? Um, like with, I would even say like, I have like a couple of like Thai, like sundresses um, that I have and I have an extra one and I wanted to give it to a friend because I was like, it's really pretty and I love it. And I was like, I don't think they're going to wear it because all my friends are white and they might feel like they can't wear it because they're white or it's like, it's not, it's definitely looks Asian. Like it's not a, it's not a, anything that you would really see in an American store. And which to me, that would be sad. Cause I'm like, it'd be really, I'd be really, I'd be really happy if you wore it. Cause I'm like, Oh look, it's a, it's a tie sun. It's got, yeah, a, it's got no, the pattern I think it's, on I think it's it. Really cool. And we yeah. have all these different, cause the, the, especially when it comes to clothing, it's just so different. It's everywhere. so fun. And I, and I would love to see people like wear some of those things. I think it's cool. I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be honored now. Now here's the part where I would say, I wouldn't say cultural appropriation, but cultural disrespect can happen if it's, take for example it's like a really serious ceremony that this culture takes incredibly seriously Mm -hmm. and you make a joke out of it right that to me would be that would considerably be offensive or it's like you know you really ask a local how to do it right and 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 make it happen but i'm talking about something very very serious not just like a a, a sundress or braids Mm -hmm. right it's it's got to be it's got to be something that's incredibly even 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 a serious custom Mm-hmm. And I can't, unfortunately, I can't name any because my family didn't pass any down. Yeah, same here. <laughs> um, yeah. So e- even even if there was a very regimented custom and and it was passed down, and somebody else looked at it and they really liked the idea of it, and they kind of take it and make it their own and they change it up a little bit. I mean, you could, I guess, you could call it disrespecting. You could call it appropriation, but quite frankly. Some of these traditions go back so far. We don't know if what is still being practiced today is the original. And 20 years from now, this individual who's taken a practice and changed it up a little bit. I mean, now it's kind of their own custom. It's derived from what is what was supposed as the original. Sure. And but I can see I, I think, for that. I, I think we end up, what we'll end up with is a lot of mixing of things. Yeah. Like, again, <laughs> bring it back to Taco Bell. They, 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 I can't believe we're having a conversation I mean, they mixed, about Taco they, Bell. They mixed in, you know, Amer- you know, Mexican ideas of food with more American type ingredients, and I mean, essentially, it's a it's a playoff of Tex-Mex. You know what? I would like to say Taco Bell is a joke. <laughs> that is an example <laughs> of what is a joke. Um, not because of cultural appropriation, but because it tastes like garbage. But <sighs> that's not the worst tasting thing, sadly. Okay, TikTok is garbage. Taco Bell is garbage. Put that on a T-shirt. I'll eat Taco Bell before I eat McDonald's, personally. Ooh, that's a tough one. Only because the last two times I ate at McDonald's, which was years ago at this point, I got sick. 
So okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And not, and not sick. Like I got food poisoning. It was just I felt like I had a sack of bricks sitting in my stomach for the next twenty four hours. <sighs> I didn't eat anything. I could barely drink water because it was just like that is disgusting. Yeah. Okay. Not fun. But I mean, they they really do. I, there's. Yeah, I, the the line between appropriating a culture and then appreciating it, and along along with appreciating it, it could get merged. It could get changed up a little bit. You're not doing it quite right, but then you know your kids learn it that way, and then their kids learn it that way, and pretty soon, that's its own solidified you know variant of a particular culture from decades ago. Yeah, and I think, I think that's that's a beautiful thing about how the world works is it all just it all changes and evolves. And I mean, especially in America, we yeah. see a lot of mixing. Unfortunately for you and me, not so much mixing. As, no, so, so for you and me, there really isn't any mixing between, we'll say your uh, your Thai and your white. If you remember, your dad German. Um something like that okay I, well yeah. a mix of a mix of european, He's just european there's there's no there's no type of uh, culture traditions that have been passed down from either one of them really right and yeah. that's the same in my family mexican native american uh irish scottish european the rest of the way i, I, got, I got nothing from it i wish i did yeah it, it would be really neat so it's like i Maybe. have no choice at this point if i want to have something like that i have no choice but to adopt it from some other culture and chances are, especially if I don't speak the language, I'm probably not going to do it 100% correctly. Yeah, no, that's but I'm not, a good point. I wouldn't point. be doing it out of disrespect. No, I understand. And I, I would agree with that. I think when I say, like, make a joke out of it is where you take time to mock it or you or you really do a really bad job trying yeah, to represent it. And, and I, guess, I guess the argument there is, yeah, mocking doesn't normally. I mean, unless it's made in good fun, mocking really just does not. It just, it depends. Again, I'm not talking about the small things. I'm talking about something that is incredibly significant to the culture. Right. Like, and like I'm, I'm just you, saying that mocking anything of significance is usually going to be in bad taste. Yeah. And so I, it kind of gets just down to those those general rules. Like there are funny things. Listen, there are funny things about Asians, okay? There are. There are really, yeah, there's funny things. And it is kind of, I mean, it's funny. Like, I don't know. Like, everyone has... We make fun of the... We are your round-eyed brown cousins from the other side. Oh, my gosh. What is wrong with you? We're going to we're gonna get taken off of... We're going to get taken off of YouTube. This is, mm. is going to be bad. Um, but there are just things that are funny. And if we get so overly sensitive about everything, like, that's kind of my point with what's happened with cultural appropriation is that everyone gets offended about everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so silly. It's so silly where I'm just like, you really don't have anything better to do. You don't have anything better to do if you're going to get offended all the time about other people's cultural appropriation. Like there was the one girl who wore like the Chinese wedding dress, the white girl that wore the Chinese, not wedding dress, excuse me, uh, prom, prom dress. Prom dress. I was thinking of that one too. Yeah. Right. And all the white people like in America, they're all mad about it. And the Chinese were like, nah, this is great. We love this. This yeah, is awesome. They, they loved seeing it go somewhere else because especially... Uh, and I'm I'm a little bit more in tune with Japanese culture, but they love American culture, so they're always taking and adopting stuff from it. And I was listening to some artists, and it's like their music sounds a lot like our late '90s, early 2000s music. It was just like that's awesome. I kind of miss it, but it's like it's like this really just upbeat kind of punk rock boy band type stuff sometimes that they put out, and I'm like, wow, this is really 
it's nostalgic, but it's new. And I just like it's got their own spin on it. Yeah. And I just appreciate it. But it's like that's that's what they've done with our culture to a to a large extent. It's because they like it. Yeah. They like it. And they should be able to enjoy it. And, I, and as American, I'm not going to sit here and say, stop appropriating my culture. Although, quite frankly, there's not too much American culture I could put there's, a hard definition on. But it's like yeah. I'm not going to stop somebody if there's something about where I live uh that they like likewise i hope that they don't do it for me because there's there's a lot of things about japanese culture that i do like right and that yeah. that dress i think i think you read that dress was uh chinese but it's like for, i remember from going and looking in the online forums for that one trying to see like what did they think about that they had no problem with about it they were excited about it uh same thing when scarlett johansson played a a live action take on an anime called ghost in a shell scarlett johansson is not asian although really? i will point out they they try to make her look a little bit Asian, um, and she kind of did in the right lighting, uh, with the right eyeshadow and and and, and makeup. Um, but Americans were just really upset about it. Like, yeah, how dare you do this? And everybody in Japan, which that is where anime is going to come from, and that's where that one is from as well. They were just excited to see the movie, and they're like, "Yeah, she looks like the character, or looked enough like the character." And the thing is, is that the character was. And I haven't watched it, so I'm going to forget a little bit. But essentially, the character can change bodies. Like, it's it's not... It's a robot, essentially. Oh, so okay. she gets different bodies. So... So the character isn't, like, necessarily Japanese. It's, like, the ethnicity of the character. Yeah, but it's, like, it's not set in stone. The, that character itself, I mean, essentially, you can take whatever the, the AI chip is out of her and put it in a different, uh, different body, and there you go. And... That was kind of, I think, what the movie... I might have to go back and watch it, actually. Yeah. I think you and I actually had a conversation about this a couple of years ago about like what I thought about it. I think we did. Like, and we yeah. went and looked up videos and stuff to see what people on the streets in Japan were saying about it. And there was really nothing negative that they were finding on the videos. Yeah. Um, That's kind of my issue, too, is when people get offended for people that don't aren't offended. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like... We're yeah, not that actually savior, offended. The savior complex. Yeah, um, some some kind of like, oh, you don't know any better not to get offended, so we're going to get offended for you. Trust me, it's it's for your best interest. Where it's like, well, <laughs> maybe we're not offended, or maybe we don't think it's weird, and maybe we think that it's fine. Maybe we're good with it. Yeah, and that's and that that part does really that part really does bother me in a lot of different ways. I think you and I have talked probably privately about kind of a white savior. Uh, complex thing mm -hmm. that I'm that's pervasive throughout America right now it is pretty pervasive and I, I never got more upset about it until the whole stop Asian hate thing happened that was like you guys have gone too far and I was really like no this isn't great I you tell don't us, tell us a little bit about how you how you receive that because I've talked to some other uh friends that are Asian about how how that went and you had a little bit of a different reaction than than most of them yeah, well, you know, part of that's because I'm only I'm only half Asian and I'm not incredibly culturally in tune like with with my I guess my culture. But I don't even consider it my culture because I'm American. I consider myself American. Mm -hmm. um, I I was very confused. And by the way, when I say any of these things, like I'm not saying this. Well, I, my opinion isn't better than anyone else's because I'm half Asian. That doesn't make my opinion any better. Um, I could have all the facts wrong. Um, but from what I could tell and kind of what the research I did, when they kind of came out with this stop Asian hate narrative, one of the biggest issues in America, at least for me, is that they were almost, when they tried to do is they tried to create a coalition between black Americans and Asian Americans as both victimized groups. 
dealing with some of the same issues, which was very problematic to me because most of the time when it comes to minorities, Asians are typically ignored. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, they're typically seen as white adjacent. And so when the, the shooting happened at that spa, they were saying, you know, he's this guy is a... Uh, it's because of white supremacy and Asians suffer from white supremacy. Uh, and this was incredibly confusing uh, because anyone who actually pays attention knows that Asians tend to kind of get lumped in with white people because of their economic success. Right. Um, so this didn't make any sense. And But people didn't know that until they just jumped on the train um, because they didn't know any better and they didn't take the time to actually look into the issue. Um, so it's not that I don't think Asians are discriminated against. I absolutely think that they are in higher education uh, because they are so successful. You have a clash between Asian Americans who work off of merit uh, supposed to affirmative action, um, which tries to raise one group above the other, not based on merit, um, but based more on on skin color and trying to even things out. Mm -hmm. And so Asian Americans go through a lot of discrimination that way, which and there are some videos on it. Prager, you did a very good uh, video on Asian discrimination and kind of going through the process of how Harvard does it. Um, I think, yeah, Harvard has uh, higher acceptance scores that you have to test into if you're Asian and then and then it's a little bit lower for white and then it's then it's lower if you're black. Right. And and the, and the hilarious thing is that Asians still crush it uh, and they still they still <laughs> yeah, do. hats off to them. Yeah. And and so that was one of the biggest things that I was like, OK, yes, Asians do get discriminated against, but they get discriminated against in higher education based solely on the fact um, that they work way harder. And a lot of that is because of the way that they're raised. It's 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 sometimes typically the culture that they're raised in. Now I have some qualms with um, some of the personal things inside Asian culture that I don't particularly like. I grew up around Michigan State University. That's a high research university with a lot of different Asians, uh, and I got to kind of be around some of those things, and I didn't love all of it. Um, and but mm -hmm. that's but that's besides the point. Uh, it's they are very they are very successful because of what their culture pushes. And I do want to acknowledge that I am generalizing. There's a lot of different cultures within <laughs> within Asian culture. <laughs> There's a lot of different culture in there. So I am acknowledging um, that I'm generalizing. Uh, but we go back to the whole white supremacy. That's I'm kind of going off of their thesis statement that Asians suffer because of white supremacy. Um, and this is also very odd to me with the whole Asian hate thing, because if we look at um, 2018 statistics, uh, Bureau of Justice statistics, it showed us that the most hate crime against Asians were done by mi by minorities, uh, specifically black and uh, Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And then the third the third one was Asian on Asian crime. And then the second one was white on Asian crime, if I remember correctly. Um, so this was very confusing to me that they would make this claim that Asians suffer from white supremacy, yet all the statistics don't point to that. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily saying that is there a race issue between Asians and, and black Americans? I don't know. I don't feel that way. Um, but I want to, I want people to be accurate about it and also talk about some of the different settings that Asians get attacked in. they get attacked in more, um, like, uh, inner city areas. Right. Um, my mom, my mom does look Asian. My mom is full Asian. She does not go into any of the inner city areas. I have no fears for her when she walks around because I also take in where she's going to. I know where we live. I know that it's where we are is, is not in an inner city in any sort of way. Mm. Um, so 
there are other factors that people completely ignore about how these crimes take place. And I've heard a lot of different reasons why Asians might be attacked. Maybe it's because of money. Maybe it's because they know some, apparently there are some cultures where they actually keep their money, all of their money in, in their house and they don't have banks, something like that. I've heard different things for why they might uh, attack Asians, but it's very it's not, I'm not even trying to be mad about it. I just want people to actually, before they hit the repost button or say something about it, to actually take time to look into what this narrative is supposed to do. Because what they, what the left was trying to do with that narrative was kind of be like, build a coalition, be like, oh, we're all allies. And, and I'm like, no, what? Mm-hmm. Are you serious right now? Like, what, what is this? And, and, but because people are so ignorant, they just went with it. And this was the first time where I was on the other side of it. And I was like, no, I know the truth. Stop. Um, as opposed to like when we had the Black Lives Matter movement where I was kind of outside of it or in the middle somewhere. Because I am also I am also half white as well. And I didn't understand why people were doing what they're doing still. But this was the first time where they were saying that Asians were victims, one part of my ethnic makeup. And I was like, Yes, they are in some ways, but not like that. And if they are victims, they still work way harder to get above it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really that was a really long explanation. <laughs> Did it make sense though? Yeah, no, it made sense. It would actually be interesting. So a, a friend of mine that lives out in Texas who is Asian and actually looks Asian. Um, I feel a little offended, but it's but it's okay. completely true. I do look Hispanic. Yeah, she's finally accepting of that one. It is what it is. Yeah, for the longest time, you did not like that we would get lumped in as potential family. <laughs> yeah, no, most people think we're like cousins or brother and sister, but... Yeah, and I mean, vaguely, we have some certain features that look the we same. We both have brown hair and tan brown skin. Brown hair, and tan skin, it. brown eyes. That's about it. That's really it. That's all people need sometimes. That, like siblings? Yeah. Then again, though, you probably look like more of a sibling than some of my own siblings do. They are very different looking from me, That's depending true. on the ones you're talking about. That is true. 100% but, true. Uh, anyway, so my friend uh, down in Texas, and he is uh, Vietnamese. Um, he grew up dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of kids making fun of him for mm-hmm. squinty eyes, yeah, uh, eating dog and cat jokes uh stuff stuff like that that were stereotypical of asians and and then i i would ask i asked him about it and i was like well did you ever eat dog and cat <laughs> and for him it was I, I believe he said he said no and he was i think he was a little bit shocked the first time that he encountered it uh and i i don't know if it was him or if it was his mother that particularly was like yeah this does it just doesn't fly in america we're not gonna go eating dogs and cats because people are gonna they're gonna be weird about that yeah, um, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. And here's another broad yeah, point too, especially because in school kids are mean. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, you know, I have no doubts because I've heard too from other people that if you're Asian, you do get those kind of things that I don't experience because I don't look Asian, right? Yeah. Um, but even like when my mom went to school, she was bullied for other reasons, and my mom was a red belt. <laughs> <laughs> so she beat them up instead. Um, but kids are just genuinely mean. Like they will find a reason to pick on you. They will find a reason to make fun of you. Uh, and so you can, there's a lot of different people. I think even some kids who get made fun of for their weight, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, maybe they get made fun of for their intelligence. Maybe they get fun- made fun of for the way they look, not necessarily ethnicity-wise, but maybe their nose is just a little bit bigger. Yep. Or maybe I got made. Uh, I got made fun of and teased because my ears were so big when I was little. Yeah, and I've been teased for stuff too. I I was only I think I was only bullied once, and it was in ballet, and I was like a. I was, it's, it's ballet's not a good environment. I just want to put it out there. Um, but there's kids are just, they, they can be honestly just monsters. They can be really, really monstrous. And so this, none of this surprises me. Mm-mm. And there's a broader point here is where there is always a reason to be a victim, right? I don't know about your, your friend. I, I think, I assume he's probably fine with his life and he's living it up the best he can. Oh, he is. Okay, he's doing great. awesome. Yeah, no, no. And so I'm sure he doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't dwell on it all the time or anything like, I hope not. Um, not that I did ask him, I did ask him if, uh, him and his, uh, his Asian friends, whatever. Um, well, likewise where our white kids would pull their eyes out and make them make them or pull the eyes back and make them squinty and pretend to be Asians. Like I know I'm hundred percent guilty of doing that as a kid. And I had to ask him cause I know as a kid, it occurred to me like, did you ever, push in the corner of your eyes and then make fun of round eyes. <laughs> yeah, he totally did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I was awesome. like, I'm going to yeah. give you a high five right now because I think it's hilarious. It's just like, yeah. as, I don't know, it's like in the back of my mind as a kid, it occurred to me. It's just like, yeah, I might be doing this, but somebody's making fun of me for having round eyes because it's just different. Yeah, and, and think about this way. Most people get plastic surgery and do kind of end up looking a little bit Asian. So maybe it's a maybe it's a trait that people want. I'm, maybe or contour their makeup in a way that makes their eyes look a little bit yeah. a little bit more Well, slant, I mean, slanted. I do I do I, I mean, most women do eyeliner to pull their eyes out. Like that's a pretty known makeup trick, right? Mm-hmm. I typically you don't pay attention because you're a dude, but nope. <laughs> but my my eyeliner is always like slightly swooped out because my eyes are a bit oops, I knocked my thing. Um, but my eyes are a little bit closer together, so I like to put on eyeliner to make them go out. Out. not necessarily to make me look more asian though when i do put on eyeliner i do look way more asian or emo um, and yes <laughs> correct um but uh but but yeah i mean we all it's not to excuse you know bad behavior obviously but no i think in the case of children that those are all critical teaching points yes. because the thing is that the kids are particularly kids are just ignorant they don't know they are, and you have to, and there are things that you have to teach them. Like if, I don't know, I feel like if I saw my kid doing that, like pulling their eyes back to look Asian, I would probably take them back and be like, "Hey, you know, let's let's not be doing that. We don't know how that's going to affect this kid," and 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 just play yeah, that no, on they, the they, safe side. They would need to hit an age point along with, we'll say, their their Asian friends, or in your children's case, that your their white friends. Um, they'd have to hit that point where they could talk about it, you know, together as friends and figure it out. But as kids, it's like, no, you probably shouldn't because you don't know how it's going to affect the other kid. Right. Because we're just talking now and even your friend and me, like we remember times where we were made fun of. And so it's, you're, you're definitely very impressionable as a, as a child. And I think there's things that you should be reasonably impressionable about. Um, but a, a broader a broader point, which I think will kind of take us back to our original conversation a little bit, because um, I wasn't expecting to talk about stop Asian hate today. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> no. for roping me in, Connor. You're welcome. You, you know Anytime. that I can't stop talking about. It. You know I'll just keep going. I love rabbit trails. Uh, I know you do. I love them too. But sometimes I just start talking. 
<laughs> and then I just don't. <laughs> and then I'm stop. just gonna let you keep going. Yeah, no, that was a train, man. So you had to just. There's no stopping it. <laughs> um, but to take it back, though, to take it back, though, to an overall issue that we have in our culture, which is this victimhood mentality. As we talked about, like there are so many things that happen to kids, right? Like, by the way, legitimate things when we're talking about rape or sexual assault or abuse of that sort, right? That's to me, that's a that's a, a very that's a very different conversation. And I'm not mm-hmm. not trying to say that's just victimhood culture. I, I don't want that mistake to be made. Yeah, no, there are legitimate victims. Yes. But when it comes to making every tiny single little thing that's happened in your life to make you a victim, that's where I start having a little bit of of an issue where I'm noticing that everyone, it's almost like victimhood is sought after. It's sought after like precious gold. And I, I, I kind of think about, I've been going through Proverbs um, throughout this month and last month. And the way that they just... Uh, they talk about seeking after wisdom, you know, like it's like it's treasure, you know, and I see a culture seeking after victimhood, like it's pr- like a precious gift or a precious metal. Uh, and that's that's very that's very concerning to me, at least. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Connor? Um, yeah, uh, there is there's a concern with bringing out uh a victimization you know, type of attitude for, for every little thing. And for me, it just stems out of the fact that you have it so good that you have to, you have to make trouble. Hmm. That's a, that's a very interesting point. Um, and I wish I could find it and maybe I can bring it up for the next one, but I believe that there was a test done with either rats or mice where they were just kind of given everything that they needed. Um, they had all the food and water that they needed, but eventually, um, that one might have actually that one might be an overpopulation uh test where they just eventually ended up killing each other but there's been this idea that if people were given everything that they that they needed you know everybody's wants and desires were fulfilled and that there was just complete peace that people would start to stir up trouble just because that there's this inherent desire in nature for things for there to be things that are problematic or elements of chaos and um i feel like we're we're kind of tiptoeing on something like that where things in america they're not it's not problem free um but there's most of the problems are staved off like the the majority of issues that people face throughout life is usually can you get enough food to survive uh can you protect your family or your your town or village uh from being ransacked or slaughtered by opposing forces you know, you're you're dealing with life or death conse- consequences and these days we don't really uh, at least in america most the majority of the population is not facing life or death consequences um and most most needs are going to be met at, at least to a sustainable degree and beyond that though what what kind of cause are you going to take up like people i think i think we're dealing with a country that has a a lack of like sense of purpose hmm. uh i feel like i definitely it got hammered into the 90s generation at least for me in the church it was just like you're gonna go out and you're gonna change the world and you're gonna do all these amazing things uh, that's that's not the majority of people um so if your identity's been rooted and you're going to do all these great things especially coming from america where some of the best inventions ever in historical times 
all came from here, whether you're talking about computers, planes, uh, just these mass food productions, the, the type of tools they've invented to create these and, and you and, uh, utilize these massive farms to, to feed so many people. Like the technological advances are amazing. And these days, even if you can come up with something, it usually doesn't f- feel like it's on that type of grand scale. Um, so people are getting on board with whatever they can and making issues out of non-issues. Uh, but they don't really want to work too hard for it. So you get little social media posts about it with no action, like we were talking about earlier. And uh, essentially, people will just create problems when there are none. Yeah. I think that's I think that's definitely happened a little bit where and I think in in their minds they do think that there is some type of problem that that needs to be that needs to be solved. And you talk about a lack of purpose uh in our generation, right? Uh I do think you know, I do think some of it is because we have removed like who do what do we worship, right? What do we what do we worship? And I love capitalism. I think capitalism is great. I think it's a good system. Um, has its flaws for sure, but a better system than socialism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think we have become a pretty materialistic culture. Consuming. As a whole. We do. We, we consume constantly and create very, very little. And to a certain extent, I wonder if we create our own thoughts anymore. I wonder if we're just always getting them from other things because we consume so much. And because we consume, we don't really understand what's behind it because it wasn't necessarily created ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, when it comes to original thought, you know, every thought originates from something or someone else. That's why we read old books, right? Yep. Um, there are some things about Aristotle that I really like, um, and those are some of his thoughts. Um, but if we are consuming other people's thoughts, what, what kind of other people are we, what, what, what thoughts of other people are we consuming? Right. Are we, again, I go back to TikTok because you have a bunch of Gen Z millennials who have probably haven't picked up a book in, you know, 25 years, which I mean, they're probably like 13, so they're not even 25, but <laughs> they haven't picked up a book in a long time or they haven't picked up, you know, a reputable source in a long time and, and they're just spewing off their thoughts and they don't even know why. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's where, that's what they're consuming. So they're consuming lots of nothing and therefore they spit out a bunch of nothing. Suppose if we're actually taking in more um, robust information or thoughts and ideas, we might actually spit out some more robust and thoughtful ideas yeah i i agree and um that for for all of its gifts the the internet is at least to me looking at the long-term effects is it's proving to be an overall deficit at this point um particularly because of social media and uh, I wasn't going to bring it up till later, but I, this is probably a good time to bring it in. Is Let that, the spirit move, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring it in is that Mark Zuckerberg announced uh, this week that Facebook, uh, I guess it's Facebook Incorporated technically, is changing its name. Not the social media platform, but the parent company itself is changing its name because it's invested in uh, too many other projects and, and different types of uh 
yeah, too many, too many other products. They're just not necessarily social media. Um, but he released this video this week, you know, saying that they were changing the the parent name to face from Facebook to, to meta, uh, is the name. And it's kind of centered around this idea that Mark's had since he was a kid, but it's been in science fiction since for longer. Um, essentially the project that they're looking at, and he hired thousands of, uh, software engineers in Germany, I believe for this, and I'm forgetting the exact number and I'm just not even going to speak to it. Um, oh, sorry. I found it. 10,000. Uh, I believe it was around 10,000 that they, they hired in Germany for this, but he's essentially working towards a product called the metaverse, which will be a virtual reality where life can take place. So this is beyond Skype. Uh, it's beyond Microsoft's HoloLens, which is what you would call, uh, I believe augmented reality. So those types of glasses, you put something on and you have a whole digital office set up within a room. You can have a 80 inch TV. Your entire wall could be a TV. You can have photos that float and revolve and change. Like you can have this whole virtual office set up. Um, they're talking about doing that, but in an entire virtual world, uh, for those of you who've seen ready player one, that's probably a really good example of it. Um, even the matrix might be a good example of it to some extent, but they're creating it in such a way so that you can get into a a virtual office meeting and you'll have your own avatar person that meets with you, Jordan. So there'll be Connor avatar with Jordan avatar, and we'll have an entire digital office that we can meet in that has like an actual location in this digital world. Um, and just, it is looking to consume not, not even just consume, but basically incorporate people's lives into this virtual reality. Uh, also, like, and, and my concerns on it is just how much more sucked into this stuff can we get? You know, right now, it's just we're pretty integrated with our phones and the way that they run into our lives. This is quite literally going to take parts of people's lives and place it in a, in a virtual reality space that that doesn't exist in the real world. You know, it it can be real people and such, but it's just going, the implications of creating such a universe, I, I, there's no way we could get through it even in multiple podcasts of what type of world that that potentially could create. Um, But that is, that is essentially where Facebook is going with it. And considering the way that the internet has gone to date and social media where it's at currently, I just, I can't see it being a good idea. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty skeptical about it cuz people don't even I feel like people don't even know how to have real conversations anymore, uh, which mm. is really tragic and you know, I really enjoy talking with you Connor cuz I get to look you in the eye and I know that you're there. I know you're physically there. Um and that's really that's really great and I feel like you know we have respect for each other and we can talk and and disagree and have different senses of humor but but also just be able to be together and to to have a virtual space so I can see some upsides to it maybe uh, in a corporate world where you need to meet together like that would be pretty interesting uh, yeah there's there's some upsides to it but I think the point that you're making that it's going to consume even more of us uh, Mm -hmm. is is the more frightening thing and there's very real things going on in the real world we don't need another world to interact with when we barely interact with the world that we have and it, now. And, it bring, and that world brings a whole new set of problems along with it. 
And we yeah. already have plenty We've of problems. We've got enough to deal with. And actually, I'm curious to see, uh, there's an article written by Charlotte Edwards from New York Post uh, about an expert, expert that warns about some of the dangers uh, to Facebook um, doing something like this. So uh, just to read a little bit out of this article, uh, the immersive virtual world was recently revealed as one of Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's top priorities, uh, but critics are skeptical about how good it will actually be. Now, uh, I don't believe Facebook is the only company that's pushing for something like this. I have a feeling we'll probably see something from Microsoft and I wouldn't be surprised if Google or even Amazon does something like it. Amazon's actually creating a really expansive video game, uh, but that is a video game. This is this is essentially a lifestyle, a tool, a form of entertainment and social media all wrapped into one, at least what Zuckerberg is talking about. Um, Dr. David Reed, professor of AI and spatial computing at Liverpool Hope University, thinks it will change our lives just like the internet did. Uh, he's also very worried about the potential dangers. He said, the metaverse has huge implications. It comes with fantastic advantages and terrifying dangers. And we need a highly robust system in place to police the metaverse. We're clearly in the very early stages, but need to start talking about these problems now before we go down a route we can't reverse away from. It's crucial for the future. Um, so this is, this is like, it's a very problematic and strange statement to me. Well, it's a, he's, he's got a valid point, but then on top of it, what are, what are the implications for it? Does it mean Facebook's going to run security on something like that? Cause you will have security issues. Uh, you'll, you'll like literally need virtual security in that world. I imagine, um, you, is it going to be a third party? Is it going to be the government and considering Facebook's recent statements with their, uh, their supposed whistleblower. It, it sounds like they would want more government intervention. So I imagine that would give the government more hands into the virtual uh, realm, which is probably our best place for decentralized anything, quite frankly, whether you're talking currency, media, social media, anything like that. Um, and, and this, this is just, it, it really plays to the tune of people just wanting to, consume more and more and i think this will feed that to a greater deal than ever before and we still don't i don't think we still understand the implications that the internet's brought around much less having something like this show up in the next 10 to 15 years yeah i mean there's already things that are concerning about social media in general especially with a lot of the i'd say younger ones um even even a little bit younger than me. And reason why I even say that is that um, with Instagram, like they had a lot of crucial growth that brought on a lot of different features um, mm -hmm. that, you know, some people played to and some people didn't. When I got on Instagram, it wasn't as much of a, I need to grab attention type tool. Right. And by the time I saw people, you know, who were, you know, 13, 14, you know, 15 and so on getting these, these um apps you can and i think even the facebook whistleblower the one thing she did say like what's new right she didn't say anything mm -hmm. that was super new she's like yeah there's self-esteem issues with curls like oh really <laughs> strange never knew um so but she was i mean there are mental health issues with that she's she's definitely right about that again nothing new though yeah, um and nothing new it's also it's not new to know that like a lot of the we'll say the tech giants you know uh, I know Bill Gates is one of them. Steve Jobs is another. And there, there's other people that are just anybody that's high up in creating a lot of this technology doesn't let their kids use it. 
Yeah, I mean, because they that should speak yes. volumes. Uh, on top of 100%. it, services like Facebook and Instagram, by the way, same company, uh, WhatsApp, Messenger, and a host of other ones that they're they're doing. They, they're free products, supposedly, but you know they they make their money off of something that is selling your information for for advertisements. Yep. Nope. That's a thing too. Yeah. So they they've made a product out of people to sell to advertisers. Yep. Nope. Completely true. And yeah, what does it look like when there's a virtual world where they get to sell all of that too? Yeah, it's a there's a there's a lot of um a lot of scary there's a lot of scary implications of that, and I'm more like the things that sound cool sound really cool, but then I I just. I don't know that it's worth it's worth the dangers and the worth worth figuring out some of that. On on a funny note for it though, uh, so they released that their name is Meta, and then uh, yeah. it turns out <laughs> it turns out that there is uh, actually another company yeah. with the name Meta already. Uh, How did they not know this when they did this? So the company is Meta PCs. Um, their trademark hasn't been granted yet, so I think they filed it away sometime this year. Uh, but they've been they've been established since last year. But they just filed the paperwork to to have it trademarked. Um, but the company is I guess it's it's up in the air whether they they'll get it or Facebook. Um, however, uh, the owners have said that they'll they'll relent on the trademark if Mark Zuckerberg is willing to pay at least twenty million for it. Ooh, <laughs> and time they, to make some money. They couldn't be in much of a better position to make that type of demand. Except if their paperwork had already gone through and they just got it. Which is because wonderful Facebook for them. Has just announced that they're yeah. changing their name. So it's like how much better of a position could you get with a Yeah. One no, of the biggest brilliant. companies in the world. And just we like, love it. We love it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of fun. And I'm sure we will have uh more developments on that as time goes on. So yeah. no, that one that one will be interesting you know the, the technical fallout from that little deal but yeah also just to see who else enters that race to try and create that virtual reality and personally i think i will have no part of it yeah and don't i'd like to not as well um it's i just don't need i feel like most of my time does get sucked into internet at some point whether it's with work or just personal downtime which which was something we've talked about even on the podcast mm -hmm. of trying to really take away some of that and replace it with things that are that are better um, and also it's just about I think it's just about a level of discipline too where we're never motivated we're un we're unmotivated to stop getting on social media but we need to have discipline to get off of it right um, and I think people well, yes, we can police these things, even within ourselves, try to police them. It, I think it's a definitely like a heart issue um, when it comes to are you instilling virtues in yourself? Um, are you mm -hmm. trying to be more courageous, um, adventurous? Adventure is not a virtue, but, you know, trying to do things outside of your normal routine, which is something I'm, I'm trying to do as well. Um, courageous, I think, is the right word for that. Yeah, courageous and... I, I like I like I want to be adventurous one day. One day, um, when I'm when I'm old and gray, I will. Uh, 
but there's a lot of we have covered we've covered only a couple things today but really significant things i just want to quickly sum that up which is this uh vaccine mandate has been frozen we will definitely be giving an update even if we're not doing a news corner episode we'll Mm -hmm. just be like hey quick quick update because this is a really important issue um, and then we also talked about Virginia, the complete flipping of it red. I think this is definitely going to have implications for 2022 and potentially 2024. Yep. Uh, we'll see how I, that plays out. Yep. And I think a CNN analyst also agrees with that. We won't go through that. But uh, when we get the when we get the website up eventually, one day, when we're old and gray. Um, it's coming. It is coming. Hopefully um, before the end of the year we can get there. Yes. I think I think we'll definitely get yeah. it before the end of the year. Couple um, couple moving parts that are... Uh, Yes. That are stalled in the works right now. We'll talk offline about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so we have so we have that going for us with that Virginia, um, that Virginia election, which tells us a lot about how the country is feeling right now, mm-hmm. especially with the Biden presiden- presidency. Um, I think and then we just had a good talk overall about about culture. I'd yeah. Say. Um, uh, yeah. Culture, discrimination, uh, cultural appropriation, cultural appropriation, ads, theory, lip balm. Yeah. So <laughs> some jokes in there. A couple of jokes. Um, we're excited, though, to keep doing news corner for sure but i know that we have other things that are coming up like Mm -hmm. we are going to be going through the federalist papers so that's going to be a very that's going to be a bit of a longer series i think yeah Um, that's going to be split into a couple different parts just because i don't expect us to go through all what 83 we are not going to go through each individual paper oh yeah no we're not gonna Um, i'm just saying i'm saying grouping grouping them up i just don't expect us to go one through 82 or 83 and then try and talk like we have fresh knowledge of you know even the first 10 right yeah that that could be that could be problematic yeah especially with my short-term memory loss (laughs) i have really bad short-term memory like i'm sometimes i'm like about ready to say something i know what i'm gonna say like it's even happened tonight where i was like wait (laughs) wait where was i going like i knew exactly where i was going and then i i lost it so that that does happen but yes we will be doing uh the federalist papers i also want to do some topical uh episode where we focus on one topic so if you have any suggestions comments or concerns about it you can message us i don't really know how but honestly on the social social media is the best yes Uh, we do have a social media page we have it on instagram and facebook resident skeptics yep you can also find us on youtube you can watch uh there will be uh youtube shorts that'll be up there we've also got longer like snippets out of the episodes um and then also full episodes are also released on there with just pictures but maybe we can get video at some point maybe one day but you know we need to we need to get more views right yeah more listens maybe yeah although having more than a slideshow on youtube probably probably helps for people that want to visually engage i thought our slideshow was great (laughs) it is great i do like it at least there's at least there is something otherwise i would i don't know what i would upload to youtube just our just our temporary logo for now yeah so a tip you know always start a podcast with a photographer and someone who knows audio like connor so that works out well for all of us no not that i know audio just that i'm capable of learning some take, of the take ba- the compliment take learn the, the basics take, i can learn the basics take the compliment connor i'm just gonna degrade Jeez. the compliment just a little bit I can, I can learn i can learn the audio i can learn Such a little a bit jerk. of video editing oh my word website's all yours i'll let you have it yep social media is yours too because i just won't think about it i know at all i know i'm this i'm the social media person yes you are but um but anyway, that's what we got going on. This was a good episode. I enjoyed this. 
Absolutely. And now we have other things to discuss. Yeah. Off mic. Oh. Oh, dear. Okay. I'm scared now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was actually scared. I was like, wait, what are the other things that you're talking about? Did I make fun of you too much tonight? Which would never be the case because your skin is pretty thick. So Yeah, no, you're good there. No, no, no. no. Just okay. future, future things to come for resident skeptics. Uh, but yeah, guys, find us on uh, social media, on YouTube. Um, and we will let you know once the website's up. We'll probably have a, a email for people to write into yeah for those topics and such uh, but in the meantime feel free to uh, either comment or send a direct message to resident skeptics and we will do our best to answer or get back to you or even cover it in a segment yeah that sounds good to me i have nothing more to add signing off cool let's go brandon oh my gosh <laughs> you're the worst <laughs>